Let me get started. As I was uh, studying this, remember this is the year of the word, and uh, we put open search and apply. And then as I was reading this week, it was like, you know, uh, a lot of things that you read, you really have to trust. That's a biggie, you know. Uh, and I started thinking about, because today we're talking about your conduct as a Christian, your conduct as a believer to those around you, to other believers, just how your conduct is. And that's what John is talking about. Remember, the, uh, uh, he, he's talking uh, to the churches in that region around Ephesus, and he's saying, hey, listen, you guys need to be careful because these Gnostics are coming in and they're messing you up. And then some people have left the church and they're saying that there's no way that God could, be, could become flesh uh, because uh, it, flesh is all evil, spirit is all good. It can't. And so when you take, away, when you t- take that away, they were saying, well, the cross of Christ didn't, was really to no service to us. And uh, they began to say, so we can sin because we're evil anyway. You can't fight it. And so through that, there began to be this dissension among the believers, and they were treating each other probably because some of them were just struggling with it, and they would get mad going, you can't even think about leaving this church. You can't even think about leaving this group in Christ. And so they were beginning to apparently hate one another and not treat each other good, which is what we're going to talk about. But when God tells you, be honest with yourself, when God tells you you should forgive somebody, you can forgive, but you can't what? Right. God's able to do that. I'm not. Uh, and so I, I can't hate somebody in the church. And if you go, you can, I can forgive. Good for you. Glad you mastered it. Uh, forgiveness is a day by day by day by day, sometimes a minute by minute thing for me. And then eventually the Lord works on my heart, okay? Especially when somebody's hurt me personally or hurt me. But I've never hated anybody. I don't, I don't really hate people. There are people uh, that sometimes you go, well... You know, it's kind of like when I'm driving down the road, I don't even know an individual, and they gave me that nice finger the other day that I told y'all down in Port Natchez. You know, part of me just said to myself out loud, uh, I hope you get a ticket. (laughs) Y'all have never done that, have you? Uh, May you have a flat or something. I don't wish that on anybody, because the minute I do, I'm going to have a flat. Or I'm going to get a ticket, but uh, we call that, or, you know, the world calls that karma. Sometimes karma is not karma. Sometimes it's God going, oh, well, let's give you a flat. So just like, uh, I mean, he can do whatever he wants. He, he's God. But when we talk about this understanding of trust, I really think I want to throw that in there through the year. Remember, this is a year of the word, that you do the basic thing. You open it, you search it, and I'm going to change it, that you got to trust it. you got to trust when he says forgive, forgive. you got to trust... When somebody says something third party, you got to trust to say, hey, uh, you need to go talk to that individual. That's what the Bible says. You need to trust when he says don't gossip, you don't gossip. Or you stop somebody and say, hey, have you talked to them? Well, then we don't need to talk about this. Because that's your conduct. Are you with me? And so uh, you got to trust what God says uh, to you. Now, I love books. I mean, look, I used to love the bookmobile when it would come uh, to the school. And I was in the elementary, went to... Uh, Lee uh, Elementary in, in Port Arthur, and uh, uh, I loved, I loved the bookmobile, and this is some of the books that I loved as I was going back. I loved Curious George. How many of uh, you uh, look for Curious George? I loved Curious George. In fact, I was in a store in Houston uh, back around Christmas time, and I saw this big, thick yellow, and I know you can't look at yellow, but 
um, close your eyes, uh, that the big, thick yellow, and it was all the books of Curious George, and I wanted it so bad. And my wife said, why? And I said, nostalgic? And she said, she said no. All right. And then, uh, Are You My Mother? This was one of my favorite books growing up, Are You My Mother? I mean, he was that little bird talking to everybody, Are You My Mother? Are You My Mother? And, and with each, each turn of the page for me as a kid, I just loved the story. And, and even now, my grandson, you know, he'll start opening up. And I, we, he just, sometimes he'll go, I'm going, you're not even enjoying the book. But he can't read. But then sometimes he'll stop and just... Ooh and ah, that was me over this book. And then uh, some of your big Harry Potter fans, me going, oh, that's evil. Uh, my daughter uh, has had a had a room that was a Harry Potter. She read all the books. They even got a what's it, the little wand or whatever. I said, baby, you paid money for that, and I could have got you a twig out in the yard. But hey, whatever. And then uh, the Cat in the Hat. I loved all the Cat in the Hat. Uh, uh, and I, I lost the name again, doggone it. Uh, the one that I said last week, oh, the places you'll go. Remember that one? And I always liked the one, you could be this or you could be that. Y'all know what I'm talking about? You could be a podiatrist. And I, I thought, what's a podiatrist? I remember having to look that up. And uh, I love Dr. Seuss. But my all-time favorite uh, was this one, Where the Wild Things Are. I don't even know if it's still out there. Uh, I don't know if they, they read it. I absolutely loved I loved the cover of that book. I, I love the pictures in that book because they all just told this wonderful story. So as we begin to look today very briefly at what John wrote and talk about your conduct, we all tell a story. And so that's what I want you to look at. What is your story telling others? Uh, uh, what is your story telling others? Uh, your life, what you've been through. What is it saying to other people? Are you tough? Are you weak all the time? Do you go dark uh, very quickly? You know what I'm talking about? You just, everything's negative. Do you let every situation overwhelm you? Or the one that seems to be strong through situations? What, it, what is your story? And also remember, watch this now. When I ask you, you're thinking about your story. But as believers, we also have to remember other people's story, right? So, uh, as you read, as you read a book, uh, the story changes as you pour over the next uh, paragraph, as you turn the page, or go to the next chapter. Like uh, uh, some of your Tom Clancy fans, I like Tom Clancy book. I told you one time, I read a book by him. Uh, uh, well, another book I, I read, not, not just by Tom Clancy, but uh, 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 oh gosh, True Grit uh, and uh, that that movie that came out with. Uh, uh, John Wayne, the first one, because I had read the original, I know that it wasn't close to it. Actually, the second one is actually closer to the book than the first one. And, uh, you know, you read those books. I get into the characters when I read the book. I, I start thinking, what actor is this one that's playing? And I read a book by Tom Clancy. I read Hunt for Red October, which the book, even though the movie was great, the book was even better. And, and uh, uh, but on, on one of his books, I read uh, four chap three chapters, and they were setting up the whole story of these characters and who they were. And then in the f uh, at the end of the third chapter, I had all the names. I knew what actors played what, because that's what I do. Does that, you know what I'm saying, what actors? This would be uh, Sean Connery. This would be in my head. And something blew up, and they all died. And it. I never read the book again. I never finished it. I saw it on the, on, on, uh, on the movies, but it just, I poured so much into it, I couldn't take, or just, I couldn't take the change. I thought, I can't, 
I can't build new characters. You, you can't do that three chapters into a book, right? But we look at other people and we go, you can't do this. Not at this chapter in your life, you can't do this. But here's the thing. You read a book, the story changes as you pour over the paragraph, turn the page, or go to the next chapter. But here's what you need to remember. So do people. And sometimes we don't let them change. We don't allow them to grow. We don't allow them to mature. And for me as a believer, and you as a believer, we should always keep that in mind that people are going to grow at their own rate. Watch this. I've always said it. You can't make people do anything. You can influence, but you can't make them. People are going to do what they want to do when they want to do it. True or false? They really are. You can help them alone, but they're going to do that. So I want to go over some Greek words real quick. Ready to go nerdy? For those of you who visited, we always go over, we're really studying the word. And so I want to go over these Greek words that have, we look at it and we see the word child. And it's really uh, two or three different Greek words. And so it gives meaning to the passages. The one I mentioned last week is the word peripeteo. It means your conduct, how you conduct yourselves, how you walk, what's being put into you and what's coming out. So afterward, I said I couldn't remember anything to come up with uh, uh, to memorize the word, remember? Uh, and so uh, Brandy came up. Come up here, Brandy. Brandy came up and said, hey, it's like a potato. And I said, okay. And uh, she said, conduct. And I said, I eat potatoes. I don't, I don't know how they conduct themselves. But she came up and she said, no. And she started talking real nerdy to me. And I said, why don't you just come up here and explain it. And, uh, and uh, not that you're a nerd, but probably. Is your mom a nerd? You, okay. Yeah. And usually the children are right about their, their uh, parents, right? Yeah. Well, go ahead and tell them that. Okay. So I was just thinking of a way to remember pear potato and conduct. And the potato pocket made me think of that. Actually, uh, Rachel and I looked at each other and we go, potato pocket. So uh, this clock does not have a battery in it. It's attached to these two wires. And um, so I'll give you the science behind it. I have potatoes in here. And potatoes are full of all kinds of different atoms and molecules and stuff. So um, if I have this, uh, this electrode on this wire, this is zinc, and I put it inside the potato, uh, then the zinc and the phosphoric acid inside the potato are going to go through a chemical reaction and the zinc's gonna lose the electrons. And then the other wire that's attached to the clock, this is copper. So whenever I put it into the potato, it's gonna react with the phosphoric acid and it's gonna release hydrogens from the, uh, from the phosphoric acid. And then therefore, um, uh, I have a redox reaction where I'm losing and gaining electrons. So that's the, that's the chemical part of it, but then um, there's an electrical part of it too where these electrons are moving, but the, um, the current's not complete until I add more leads, so I'm gonna put the opposite metal in each uh, potato, okay? And then it happened last time too. I dropped it, so I think I messed up the, I think the wires came unconnected from the clock, but um, it, the clock should come on. <laughs> And I knew it wouldn't come on again. So anyway, it should come on. Let me try it a little bit. Let me try it. It kind of flickered last time. Yeah, so. it did. It flickered. But it really does work, I promise. It really does work. But I think the neat thing while you're doing that is that here's what's interesting. There is something going on in here right now that you can't see, correct? Yes. And uh, we don't see it, but we know because of the the leads that she's put in there, that there's a reaction going on that you don't see. 
and she did drop it. I think is it when Brandy yelled at you, you threw it at her, or oh, what mm -hmm. was it? Yes. Yeah. No. <laughs> but it really does work. I just think these wires are not connected. Bring it next week when it works or something. Oh, oh, it's working. Look. Yay. Yay. Good job. Yay. Yeah. So what I was telling him was the, uh, the definition of the word um, conduct is to lead or to guide. So um, if we want to have good conduct, then we have to be led or guided. Right. By something we can't see. Something we have trust in, and that's God. That's good. Way to go, Brandy. All right. So this word peripatio, that's what it is. Conducting. What I, the neat thing about the last one is that we can't see what's going on. I can't see what's going on in your life, how God's working in you, and how you're allowing him to work in you. But something is going on. That peripatio, that means what's your conduct? The next Greek word is the word uh, kainos. It means new or fresh. Now, we look at it in the words new. But I love that, uh, I love that uh, uh, word that they add to it. Because, see, the Greek words, if you look at them, they'll have them used at different places. And they'll say, what was the, most, uh, what was the word that was used the most to describe that Greek word? And you'll see little numbers about them. You'll say 42 times they used it as new. 15 times they used it as fresh. Or three times they used it as whatever. And so that's what helps us understand. So this word, when you see new, it also can mean fresh. I like that word fresh. There's a freshness to our lives when Christ comes into it. Then there's this word scandalon. How many ever heard of the word scandalon? Scandalon um, is the word we, in your, in your Bible, it'll say hinder or it'll say stumble. But really what that word means is that it means to stick uh, a stick for bait, like it's a trap. So it's not just something you trip over. It's not something that, that hinders you. It's actually bait that that traps you into walking toward that darkness or tripping into that darkness, and it blocks uh, it blocks you. So it can mean stumble, but really it also can mean uh, a stick for bait, a snare. The next word is tufalo, which is, means uh, to make blind or uh, to blind or to be blinded. We're going to see that word. I want you to understand tufalo. It's, it's, a, it's a word that means blind. And then we have this word harmatia. Harmatia, remember I mentioned it last week, is the word that means sin. In the Old Testament, it comes out and it means to miss the mark. So remember last week I said the way I remember that Greek word, and I put a little Italian to it, and I said, if I do that, it'll bring a harmatomia. So it's that harmatia. It means that I'm going to... I'm going to bring harm to myself. And that's really what sin does, doesn't it? If you lie, you're going to bring harm to yourself and somebody, somebody else. And that's what it means. We've missed the mark. Then the next work is technion, which is a young child. The reason I want to show you this is because in your translations, it may say child and then child. But there's two different words for child. This one is a newborn. This one is the born one. So these are the very little children. These are the preschoolers and, and, and kids that are new. And then there's uh, patar, which means father or parents. And then there's this uh, nianski, which niaskosis, uh, which is a young man, a youth. So you can see he's describing in the Greek. Are y'all too nerded out by this? Because we're about to read it. He's he's describing these little baby Christians. These young men, he's describing the fathers. And then it's this word, pation. Pation is a child or little children. But you'll sometimes see the word child. It's different than young ones. 
right? This one means like a grade school kid, a small child. So you see him describing that, hey, listen, from the beginning, and when you see the words from the beginning that you've known this, it's not from Genesis, from the beginning. It's from the beginning of what you heard, the gospel of Jesus Christ, all right? And so, uh, but he's talking about these little, little children. So I want you to know this before we go into the scripture is the Old Testament taught that love was a responsibility, an obligation to the law. John made it clear that when Christ was crucified, buried, and rose again, that love, for the first time, was totally perfected in Christ. And that's where we come up with that understanding of, well, uh, uh, we have the ability to love people, even when we don't uh, feel like we we want to. So let me take your Bibles, turn to 1 John, and we're going to look at verses 7 through 14. Let's all stand for God's Word, just to remember it and say, thank you, Lord, that you sent your Word, your Holy Spirit. Uh, to write this, and remember, it's just it's it's not honoring uh, this paper and and wood and stuff that's going to burn. It's the words that Christ left for us. Verse, verse seven says, "Beloved, I am not writing a new commandment to you, but an old commandment which you heard from the beginning." Remember, the beginning was our life in Christ, not from the Old Testament law. Beginning, the old commandment is the word. That word, word is logos. If it would have been talking about the past, it would have been the word statute, okay? But it says it's your word, which is which you have heard. On the other hand, I am writing a new commandment. Remember that new? What's it mean? I'm writing something fresh to you. It's more than just a set of laws, things you need. I'm writing this fresh commandment to you, which is true in him and in you. Why? Because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. That's Christ. The one who says he is in the light and yet hates his brother is in the darkness until now. The one who loves his brother abides. Remember that word abides? Anybody remember what it is? Mino. Mino. We're supposed to be good minnows, right? Put us on a, put us on a, a hook and we're supposed to draw things. A minnow not on the hook is no good. A minnow on the hook is good. It says in the light, and there is no cause for, there it is, scandalon. There's no cause for the stumbling. There's no cause for you to fall for a trap that's been set by other people. Watch. But the one who hates his brother is in the darkness and walks, conducts. There it is. That he conducts in the, uh, uh, walks, conducts in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. Look at verse 12. <coughs> Excuse me. I'm writing to you, here it is, little children. Those are, that's, that's that young little baby, you newborns, because your sins have been for, uh, forgiven for your namesake. Listen, he's saying to the younger ones, listen, your sins have been forgiven. These new Christians, these new believers, don't forget the basic that, you're, the basic that your sins are forgiven. Look, and it says, uh, uh, I am writing to you fathers. Because you know, or parents, because you know him who has been from the beginning. I am writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. Look, and I have written to you, children. That's the, that's the, the last word that, that means children that we talked about. Because you know the father. And I have written to you, fathers. He says it again. Because you know him who has been from the beginning. And I have written to you, young men. Right? Because you are strong. You're strong, and the word of God, the logos of God, Christ, abides in you, and you have overcome the evil one. Have a seat where you are. So this morning, uh, I wanted to read this again in 
I remember we're, we're, we're teaching, for those of you who are new, we're really helping you understand God's Word that, uh, like I told the earlier crowd this morning, that, uh, you know, you learn that the word that I'm reading out from is a word for word. And then they have paraphrase. And this paraphrase is from the New Living Translation. And I wanted to read it from this because it really doesn't lose anything. And it flows very, very well. Then you'll kind of see it. Then I'm going to give you these points. Remember, when I read the Word, I go through. I keep on telling all this because you need to do it. Whenever I read, I didn't study uh, dictionaries. I didn't study anything. I just said, Lord, your Word is basic enough for me to, to see it and to, to do it. Tell me what you want me to see. And so... These are the things that I saw. But this is from the New Living Translation. It says, Dear friends, I'm not writing a new commandment to you, but rather is it a, it's an old one you have had from the very beginning. This old commandment to love one another huh, is the same message you heard before. It is no different than what you heard before, but it's got a freshness to it. Look, yet it is also new. It's also fresh. Jesus lived the truth of this commandment, and you also are living it. For the darkness is disappearing, and the true light is already shining. Here's my question. In your story, do you cause darkness to disappear? Right? Uh, So when somebody comes up to you and says something, that's what this is. Somebody says something to you, and you can jump in and get in the flesh. And so what happens is that the darkness is overcoming the light. In other words, you're, you're not shining as bright. But it was already shining from the beginning. It was Christ. It says, if anyone claims, I'm living in the light, but hates a fellow believer, well, that person is still living in darkness. Now, it's talking about, it's not talking about the world. It's talking about us as Christians, right? There are churches all over the place, and we think differently. Really, we do. I disagree with some theology of different churches, and I agree with some of them. But we sit down, and we don't, we still love one another. Really. I still love these pastors in the area, you know, even though they think differently. Do you love one another? Somebody does you wrong. Do you still love them or do you wish harm for them? That's your conduct. Look, it says this. Uh, anyone who loves a fellow believer is living in the light and does not cause others to stumble. In other words, it's saying, listen, you as a believer, if all of a sudden you start talking about somebody while gossiping is going on, you have just caused that person that may be a 10-watt bulb in there spiritually, and you just caused them, what, to stumble. You've, you've set bait for them. Well, I guess it's okay to talk like this. Right? Well, we do that. We cause people to stumble. So watch this. When I come in and, and uh, a, a new believer comes to the church and they say, so I understand you want us to serve. And we say, yeah, we need all of our folks to serve. And then all of a sudden they serve, but they see other people that don't serve that have been believers longer. longer. Then they go, why aren't they serving? Because they jumped into the whole belief system, that, which is true, that you should serve at your church somehow. And there have been people leave the church before because they said, well, that, it, that's not the way that things are going on at that church. And so they leave. You just cause them to stumble. Now, a little bit of it's on them. But you've got to be careful that you're not causing other people to stumble based on uh, your personal. If you don't forgive and it teaches forgiveness, that's a stumbling block. If you're with me, say, oh, yeah. I want you to understand, be careful about your story and what you're saying or what you're saying to the world. But anyone who hates a fellow believer is still living and walking in darkness. Such a person does not know the way to go. I've been blinded by the darkness. It says this, I am writing to you who are God's children. 
because your sins have been forgiven you. That's the, your little baby's in Christ. Remember that? He said, I'm writing to you who are mature in the faith because you know Christ and existed from the beginning. I'm writing to you who are young in your faith because you have won your battle with the evil one. I've written to you who are God's children because you know the Father. I've written to you who are mature in the faith because you know Christ and who existed from the beginning. He repeats it twice. He said, I've written to you who are young in the faith because you are strong and God's word lives in your hearts. Look, so here's what I got out of it that I want you to walk away with this morning and then we'll be dismissed. Is this. Are you growing in Christ are you mature? And people say, how's your spiritual life? And people go, well, I, don't know, I don't know what that means. Here it is. How are you maturing in your faith? So I'm, I'm asking all of you to stop and consider that. I mean, really, how are you maturing in your faith? Remember, I can read it. We can search it. I can trust it. But you have to decide whether you want to trust it. I can't make that happen. And I can apply it, but I can't make you apply it. These are on you, not me. And so it's on me for my personal walk, but not, I, I can't control this. So here's, you go, well, how am I maturing? Well, is your love for your new life with Christ strong? Do you have, that's how you're maturing, that you remember your love for your, your, love for your new life in Christ. You go, well, Pat, I came, to, I came to Christ when I was 13, and I'm 57. So? Do you still have that? Do you understand that it's fresh? The fresh does not ever go away. We make it stale, right? It's, it's still fresh. Um, and there's things that need to be thrown out of it to keep it fresh, right? So I'm a three-day person when it comes to food in the fridge. Anybody else here a three-day person? It, it, it's, it, it's, just, it's just like a poison ivy. Right? In Boy Scouts, we learned three leaves. Right? If it's three, what? Let it be. Don't touch it. Watch this. If something's in your fridge, and if it's three days old, let it be. Some of you going, I don't know why I have stomach problems. If it's three, let it be. Some of you go, my wife, I'll say, baby, that milk went bad yesterday. Oh, it's still good. And I'm going... I'm not drinking it. And so we go, oh, there's so many preservatives in it. I'm not drinking it. They put the date there for a reason, right? Some of you have gotten sick, and you're going to go, I hadn't taken this in so long, and you wonder why it didn't help you. But if you would look at the thing, it went out in 1998 because you've had that same drug that you took one time. Here's the thing. We, we let our love for Christ, the newness of it, let it get away. And you're spiritually mature if you go back to that day. Right? I believe maturity is that you remember the freshness. When's the last time you thought about the day that you came to know Christ? Watch this. Then, secondly, your maturity is that your love and your hunger for God's word. How much do you hunger? Monday was a terrible day for me. You know, just like y'all have Mondays. But I just had to deal with like three or four things right off the bat. Just... Just wouldn't. So what I did is I got to, to work, uh, and uh, I, I said, "That's it. I'm not. I'm not doing anything." And I closed the door, and all I did was sit there and read the word and study it and make my own notes. Not for this, for me, because I had to get to the point where I'm going, "Man, I, I got to have God's word." 
Some of you are like that. You don't remember the last time that you read God's word three days in a row and you just kind of got, you started feeling better. You started thinking better, right? Well, it's just like a pill, isn't it? You, you take a pill for something that's wrong and you think that helps me? Well, here's a big old dose of, of attitude. <laughs> here's a big old dose of conduct right here. Here's a big old dose, Right? And there's really no, the only side effect is you may not like what it says, but you've got to trust it. All right. And then your love for other disciples of Christ. Are there people that have done you wrong? After 30, 35, almost 35 years of ministry, there are people in the churches, in places that I've served, that have done me wrong. They've lied about me. They've told things about me that aren't tr true. And you say, that's a lie. But they, they, they've uh, said things to me. They treated me badly. They talked about my family. Not here. Not here. But you know, I don't hate anybody that I can go back and remember. I, I don't hate anybody. Was I mad at them? Yes. Do I trust them? No. Do I, do I hate them? No. What does hatred do? It, it doesn't help you, right? Some of you hate people and you hate other believers. And what the scripture says, whether you and I like it or not, and we've got to, we, we searched it, we, we, we read it, we opened it, we searched it, and now we've got to trust that if we hate a believer, we're walking in darkness. We're causing people to be, uh, to, to stumble. So be very, very careful. Remember, this is not me making you feel guilty or bad about something. I don't do that. I don't manipulate. But I want you to know God's word is very clear. And also, John is black and white. He talks about light, darkness, light, darkness. Right? Good, bad. So just think about the people that maybe you haven't forgiven. All right? And then the next thing is your love and desire to please Christ by the way you think uh, by the way you think and conduct yourself. How are you out there? Uh, um, uh, who sent me the picture? Was it you? I can't remember. I remember I said sometimes when we pass somebody, it reminded me of that, sometimes when we pass somebody that didn't drive very well in front of you, and you pass as you pass them, we always look at them. Because we do. We do. Yeah. We just look at them. We go, we'll see what an idiot looks like. And so we look at them. And y'all know you've all done that. And so, uh, so I got this, I can't remember where it was from about, yeah, it was y'all, Brandy is just uh, uh, talking about, listen, can we still get the stickers on? Because I always tell you I'm not getting stickers because somebody may go, hey, and I get a call and say, hey, one of your members just gave me a thumbs up. And, um, uh, but how do you, how you think you conduct yourself? Well, the stare, it's the same thing. Can we, is, that was the question. Can we still get stickers if all we do is stare at them? So the answer is no. You can't stare at them. If you're going to stare at them, give the message. No, I'm just kidding. Here we go. Um, and we let people pass. This is just funny, isn't it? People, people we look at them and go, oh, 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 okay. Well, well you're, you're 97 years old. We'll give you a pass. Right? Or you're a teenager. You don't know any better. Sorry, you know. But boy, anybody after that age and before that age, they go, there's no excuse for that. So how you conduct yourselves in public, how you conduct yourself in front of your children, your, your boss. And listen, people say this all the time. Well, I'm sorry, I just can't help it. You know, you're just lying to yourself. You can't help it. You know, I could have stopped myself from eating eight Little Debbie snacks, right? I, could have, I can help it. I, can, I, can, I can't help it. It's not like all those little, little Debbie snack cakes lined up, uh, took all their wrappers off, and, and they said, open up. And I went, and they all just kind of walked into my life. 
right? Oh, thank you. I'm just sitting there going, hey, I was trying to talk, and you guys keep jumping in my mouth. I guess I'll have to eat you. Are you all with me? We do that to ourselves in, in a way that we, we look at things spiritually, how we conduct ourselves. Well, I just couldn't help it. I finally lost it. You could help it. Quit lying to yourself. Just admit to yourself, I messed up. My conduct didn't, was not becoming of Christ. My conduct and the way that I acted, the way that I treated you as a believer was wrong. Please forgive me. It's just very difficult. So you forgive me. Yes, I forgive you. Can our friendship be the, the same? And I've had to look at people and say, I've forgiven you. I don't hate you. But things will be different now. Okay? I'm always here for you. But it's going to change your relationship. You'll have to earn that back. And that's okay. To, that's good conduct. But to say, I'm not talking to you anymore. Right? So we look at this conduct, and that's what he's talking about. And so your love for Christ that strengthens you to overcome sin, the world, and the evil one. Is that growing in you? Are you maturing? Do you keep walking back to the old sin? Okay, you got to remember, when I ate my little Debbie, walked into that one, eight of them, in December, the last time I had had one was like June. But man, if I was having it June, July, August, September, October, November, December, I'd be telling you, I'm... I'm not conducting myself. I'm, I'm walking into it. It's similar to that sin that you walk into. Can you overcome that? Yes, you can. So be very, very careful. All right? And then uh, the things that I want you to remember about spiritual maturity that are very, very important. Spiritual maturity does not change the love and grace of God toward his disciples. If you read the word of God and you read it all the time, then I want you to know you, if you miss three or four days, don't beat yourself up. God's love for you hasn't changed. He just still loves you. His grace is still there. His mercy was new every morning. That's kind of cool, right? Uh, and so, uh, secondly, your spiritual maturity is not measured by someone's knowledge of God. Just because you, you know a lot about... I have people tell me all the time, well, I know a lot about God's Word. Well, that's just great, but I want to know if you have it here and if you're living it. Because for you to go, I know a lot about God's word. What I want to say, and I don't, is, well, apparently you missed the area about pride. Because I, I would not say up here and say, I want you guys to know I know a lot about God's word. I'm a theologian. You go, man, I'm changing churches. Uh, but listen, when people tell me that, just because you're knowledgeable of it doesn't mean you're living it. Because that's where some of you get stuck. You go, I don't understand how they can know so much, but act that way. It's not a sign of spiritual maturity. And then the last one is success or financial achievement is not necessarily a sign that someone is spiritual. Just because they go to church, you go, wow, they're blessed. They keep getting good jobs. They know how to do money. Listen, I've known people in church that have given to my youth ministry. Uh, when I was in youth ministry, that have given to, to different ministries that we have, and we all knew the truth about them. And nobody would tell them. But I, I was like this youth guy that said, hey, you give money to us, but I heard this about you. Is it true? Well, yeah, it is. I'm just, I would ask people, you know, here I was, 27 years old, 28 years old, and I was asking a 65-year-old man, hey, is this true about you? More out of curiosity, how do you, how do you justify those things? So just because somebody has a great business and they're part of a church and they're active in the church does not mean that it, they're spiritually doing well. And you can't make it, but you're doing all the things that you're doing, but you're having financial problems. Sometimes the most godliest people are those who are trying to make ends meet. You know what I'm saying? 
And most of you are going, just like me, going, oh, I must be pretty godly. Here we go. So, <laughs> so here's some scripture that I want to give you. Write them down somewhere. Take a picture of them. Well, I want you to read later. All these scriptures that I'm showing you right now, Acts 26, 15 through 18, have to do with your conduct. I'm going to go through them very quickly. I'm not going to read them because I ran out of time. I tell too many stories. So Acts 26, 15 through 18. Then uh, Ephesians 5, verses 1, and then verses 6 through 16. Go back and read those later, and you'll see how they're talking about uh, the, the conduct that you should have and what you should be, how you should be living. Uh, Philippians 2, 12. Just go read Philippians 2, 12. In fact, read before it and after it, and you'll see this consistency in talking about your conduct, how you act. And then the, the last one is 2 Peter 3, 18. Really, you need to uh, put uh, 3, 17 and 18. Heck, read the whole chapter. But if you look at verses 17 and 18 in uh, 2 Peter chapter 3, it's pretty, pretty clear how, how we're supposed to conduct ourselves, what it looks like, how we're supposed to act. So for those of you who think, man, I need something to look at each week, uh, here's what I'm going to give you right here is that uh, if you want to take a picture of like you usually do, look at it this week in the, in the morning, every morning before you go to work. Just kind of look at it and read it. Let it soak in. This is what I want you to walk away with. And then we'll uh, watch the Q&B dismiss. Today I choose to live my life for Christ. I mean, just looking at this before you leave, have your cup of coffee and while you're drinking it, look at it and read it. Today I choose to live my life for Christ. His ways are always true. And I know that following his truth should affect how I conduct myself in private, in private, and in public. I choose to be graceful toward other disciples of Christ and patient with the world around me. Anything less, watch this, will cause me to stumble and hinder the work of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Lord, keep me from being blinded by my flesh, the world, and the evil one. I love this one. And please, use me to illuminate the world with your truth. So, man, if you would have just every morning take and just read that this week. Say, God, this is one I want to be. When you're, if you're a teacher at school and you kind of have that little time, read that. And I believe God would use that. And then you're applying his word.